Turn with me, if you would, to the portion of Scripture that we read earlier on in uh, Genesis chapter 19 and Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, I once heard it said of a film that uh, so heavy were its themes, so serious and intense its storyline, that watching it was like uh, going th- going 12 rounds with Mike Tyson, is how I think the, the guy put it. Well, as you look at the title of this se- evening's sermon on your notice sheet, you see what it is? Sin and judgment. You might be forgiven for feeling that the, the same might be uh, true tonight because although I hope you don't uh, leave the church tonight feeling as though you've been in a boxing match, uh, there are, in this very, very familiar portion of scripture that we're going to look at, there are a number of yeah, relevant but serious and pretty heavyweight themes uh, for us to be thinking about together. And what we'll do is we'll do, as we did last week, if you remember, what we'll do is we'll divide uh, the sermon up into two parts, okay? So two main headings. So each of these overarching headings will have uh, three sort of sub-points, short sub-points to them, okay? Promise. Uh, so two overarching headings, three sub-points. Okay, with that said, let's, let's get into God's Word. Let's look at God's Word. Let's look to Genesis 19. Let's consider the first point here, and that is the sin of Sodom. The sin of Sodom. Now, uh, you'll remember if you were here last week that in the previous chapter in, in Genesis 18, do you remember what we saw? We saw we had three heavenly visitors and they had come to Abraham, hadn't they? And we sort of left that chapter last week with the Lord and Abraham in conversation. That was part of it. And then we had left the chapter with two of these angels of the Lord and they were having this journey. We left the chapter and they were on their way to Sodom. And they were going to wipe the city from the face of the earth. Okay, now what do we see when we get into tonight's chapter? Well, we get into this and we see that the two angels have now arrived. That they, they arrive at, at Sodom, they meet Lot at the city gate. And then after this sort of uh, a bit of banter, I suppose, if you like, you know, a bit of toing and throwing, they are persuaded to stay at Lot's house for the night. And then it's where things get a bit weird. Okay? Things get a bit what would you say? They get a bit scary, don't they? I mean, if we're thinking about this correctly, what we read off here is scary because the hospitable welcome that these angels receive from Lot, Scripture sort of vividly contrasts this with the horrific welcome they receive from the rest of the city as men begin to Do you see it? I mean, they begin to surround Lot's house and demand that these visitors, these angels, are brought out to them. Now, that's the sort of situation that we're dealing with here, okay? What I want us to do just now is just to note one or two things about this, okay? First of all, please notice the, what will we call it, the 
Notice the, the universality of the sin of Sodom. Because, you know, you're reading that, okay, and there's, a, there's an almost unmissable emphasis in the text here on the sort of comprehensive nature of what is going on in these verses. Have you got your Bible open? Look at verse 4. Have a look at 4. I guess how it's put, how you've got in front of you kind of depends on which version of the Bible you're taking with you. But it's going to say basically the same thing. All of the guys in the city are involved in this wickedness. Is that not what you've got there? You know, that young and old, that you might say every person to the last man was surrounding what house. All the guys were doing this. Now, I encourage you to think about that just for a second. It's not, it's not just something that originates from the seedy part of the town, you know? I mean, it's not this wickedness. It's not just something from the red light district or, or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's everyone. I mean, it's the whole city. And they're banging on the doors, you know, and clambering on the windows. And they're, they're trying to get into this house. And they're trying to get to these men. So there's the universality. All the men, young and old, all of them involved in this. Second, think about the magnitude of the sin of Sodom. Okay. I think there's a, a danger with this. I think there's the danger of us coming to this sort of a text, Sodom and Gomorrah, in the current moral climate of the day. And we could get this wrong, I think. Do you see what I mean? You know, there's the risk that what we do is we just spend the whole night tonight, you know, everything. You know, we miss some of the rest of the text and we spend the whole night tonight delving in a discussion about homosexuality. Um. I don't want to do that, really. I, uh, I don't want to spend the, the whole night talking about uh, gayness. I, uh, I, I don't think that, that that's what we should do. But this is, it's here. So it is something that has to be addressed. So here's the thing. What, what do we know? Well, we know that throughout the Bible, okay, Sodom is held up as being an example of true wickedness, isn't it? I mean, I doubt anyone's going to dispute that. So we've seen this already. If you can think back just a couple of weeks to Genesis 13, Sodom is sort of picked out and said that it's a city of wickedness. So the beginning of the Bible, Sodom, wickedness. Right to the end of the Bible, to to Jude the book of Jude, Sodom's held up again as being, it's called a city of perversion there. So all the way through, kind of this place here is a sort of the bastion of filth, right, of immorality. So here's the thing. We're here, you know. So when we are tonight, you know, in Genesis 19, we're face to face with Sodom. We are confronted with Sodom. What is it that we are told about here? I mean, what is it here 
that makes this place so immoral in the eyes of Scripture. Look at verse 5. The mob shout to Lot, bring these men out so that we can have sex with them. See? So it is homosexual sex. In fact, more particularly, it's homosexual rape, sodomy, that Scripture is showing us as being so repulsive to a holy God. And the disgust that the author of Genesis has here is in line, whether we like it or not, it is in line with the rest of biblical teaching on this subject. You see, from, get this, Leviticus is listing of homosexual sex between child sacrifice and bestiality in its crimes. Where did it get that? From that to the New Testament's listing of practicing homosexuals in its list of those who will not see the kingdom of God. Do you see it? Consistently, Old Testament, New Testament, it speaks of the sin of this practice. Now, do you see the point here? Let's take a step back. Let's get the point right. We are being shown just how depraved Sodom was. We're supposed to read that. We're not just supposed to see that. Wait a minute. Everyone in this city, everyone was involved in this sin. We're not just supposed to see that. We are supposed to see just how immoral, just how wicked this place was. Universality is sin. The magnitude is sin. Okay. Third thing here. Let's think about the impact of the sin of Sodom. And let's think about the impact of the sin on Lot in particular. Okay. So we're, we're kind of at the stage of the story where we've got this mob, horrific mob surrounding uh, Lot's house and they're clambering to get in and I, uh, I hope you notice what Lot did because he makes a lot of mistakes does this guy Lot but he's pretty brave what he does here do you see it? I mean they're clambering to get in and we know now what they're trying to do and what does Lot do? He goes outside you know he goes outside that is a brave thing to do and he, he is trying to calm these people down now what I want you to think about is how the crowd this mob react to Lot. Do you see that in verse 9? Okay, Lot goes out. So the men, Lot comes out to them and they begin to shout him. Okay? They are not happy with Lot. They, they begin to attack Lot. And you see, what they see, which is very important, is that, that they view Lot as being a stranger, you know, as an alien. They sort of do this guy, Lot, as being entirely different to them. And what do we know? We know that's true. Don't we? We know that law is different to these people. How do we know that? Second Peter 2, it tells us that law was righteous. You know, law is a... He was different to these people, you know, this mob. We know that, that law was a Christian, but we also know that what a man alive, you know, what a mess the guy's making of it. Because what's he done? He has chosen to live in this place. I and mean, he's a Christian who's chosen 
to live surrounded by all this immorality and wickedness. And I think there is a a crucial and important lesson for us to learn, and it's this. There are places where the righteous should not be. There are places where the righteous should not be. There are doors that the Christian should never, ever darken. I mean, we've got Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Or again, you've got Ephesians 4, where he says, you must no longer live as Gentiles. Did you get it? Are you hearing the point? There are places where the righteous should never be. Now, why? Why are there places that Christians should avoid? Why are there places that the Christians should should never go? Well, (laughs) consider this. I mean, think about what happens to Lot here. He is, here's a man so surrounded on all sides by wickedness that what happens? What does he do in this story? Did you see it? Did it not jump out and slap you in the face? What does he do? He's so surrounded by all this nonsense that this sexual perversion, it infiltrates his heart. It infiltrates his mind and he offers his daughters for the sexual pleasure of the mob. I mean, this wickedness that is all around him, it so, so gets a hold of him that he jeopardizes the, what do you want, the innocence of his daughters, the, the safety of his kids, do you see? Surrounding ourselves with wickedness, it, it affects our spiritual sight. It can affect our spiritual bearings. We've got to be much more discerning about where we go than we are currently. You know, we've got to ask ourselves, as a group of Christians, as a group of believers, basically, what's more likely? If I go to this place, am I going to be a witness for Jesus Christ? Is that really likely? If I go to this place, which is more likely? Am I going to affect the world? Or is the world going to affect me? Lot should never, ever have been in Sodom. There are places the righteous should not be. Okay, so we see something of the sin of Sodom. And if anything, I I hope as we go through that, that there is a sense of disgust, is there not? I mean, we've come to Genesis 19. Is there not a sense of disgust? I mean, let's face it, we are dealing, if I'm going to be blunt, we're dealing with the attempted gang rape of angels in this portion of Scripture. It is disgusting. But let's move on. Let's consider the second overarching heading, and that is the judgment on Sodom. Judgment on Sodom. And what I want us to do here is really just to think about the people, you know, the, the individuals that we meet here 
And I want us to just think about these people and think about what their experience of this judgment of God is. Okay? And first of all, I just want us to think about Lot's sons-in-law. Okay? It's the first of them. Lot's sons-in-law. Um, when I lived in Edinburgh a few years ago, um, there's a famous character in Edinburgh um, that always used to hang around the university campus. I'm sure that some of you are probably even aware of him. And he was one of these guys, you know, who would wear a sort of placard. You know, he would, he would sort of wander around with a placard and it would say, it would have a verse on it, or it would usually talk about the coming judgment of God. And of course, if you do that uh, in the university campus, then the guy was pretty much the source of constant, extensive ridicule from most of the students, as you can probably imagine. Well, there's a sort of similar uh, response in Genesis 19, isn't it? Because from about verse 12 of your chapter, what the angels do is they turn their attention and try to save as many people in Sodom as possible. So they go to Lot, they, they say, you know, if you've got family, if you've got family, go and get them. And then Lot, see what he does? He runs off as quick as he can to try and get his sons-in-law. But what I want you to notice, what I want you to look at is the reaction of the sons-in-law in verse 14. Bibles are open, it's there. Do you see how they react to this? They thought that he was joking. So they thought he was joking. They, they laugh at this idea. A, a divinely originated, a divinely inspired judgment on man. You're having a laugh a lot, are you? You see, they laugh at him. They just scoff at him and think he's, he's, he's you know, that's crazy talk, man. Now, isn't that the most up-to-date and contemporary reaction to this, isn't it? I mean, isn't that the reaction that you might expect if tomorrow you were to tell your friends of the judgment of God and sin? Would you not think of something like this? There are surely few people on this earth that are more ridiculed than those who speak of the day of judgment. You know, if you're a, a wannabe comedian and you, uh, you want a cheap laugh, who are you going to pick on? You're going to pick on the guy with the placard, aren't you? Or are you going to pick on the fool up the front of a church who talks about hell, aren't you? But here's the thing. It's not funny. It isn't funny. Look at verse 16. Who is it that the angels lead out of Sodom? They lead out Lot. They lead out his daughters. They lead out his wife. Who do they not lead out of Sodom? The sons-in-law. Do you see it? They laugh. They think this is hilarious. And what happens is that they perish as a result. So let me say this to you tonight. because If I do not say this to you tonight... When I'm preaching on this portion of scripture, I never will say it. There is 
there is a judgment. There is a judgment coming. There is. And the New Testament, what it does is it parallels this that we read off here in Genesis 19 with that final judgment that will come on mankind. And what we learn from that is that that final day of judgment is so much more severe than even this that we're reading of here. That that final judgment on mankind is far more uh, lasting than what we read of here. What we learn from the New Testament is that that final judgment is not a joke. I mean, it really isn't funny. You know, the, the, the perishing, the eternal punishment of millions of people because of sin, you know, the, the eternal punishment of millions of people because of the rejection of Jesus Christ. Tell me that's funny. It is not funny. The sons-in-law of Lot, they scoffed at this idea. We must not make that same mistake. The sons-in-law. Let's think also about Lot's wife. Lot's wife. Okay. Now, when we encounter Lot's wife in Genesis 19, this judgment that we're talking about has already happened to a certain extent, hasn't it? Because fire has um, very literally rained down. Can fire rain down? Yeah, it can. It rained down from heaven and it has destroyed everything here. And Lot's wife, so this woman that, to be honest, has not been mentioned all that much in Scripture up until now, she looks to have escaped it, doesn't she? I mean, she, Lot's wife looks to have made some sort of progress out of Sodom. But then we get to verse 26, and I really do want you to look at verse 26, please. I think it's one of the most famous verses of the Bible, isn't it? Verse 26. Because look what we're told. We're told that Lot's wife looked back. So what we've been told there. Well, we've really actually been told that she, this woman, pined, you know, longed for her sinful life. That she was still sort of rooted in her wickedness. That although must have to her family looked differently that in her heart she was still resident in that city of sin and so then what are we told do you see it verse 26 lot's wife looked back what are the consequences she became a pillar of salt so she like the rest of them like her sons-in-law she too was judged because of her wickedness because of her sin now here's the thing what is it that we should or we need to be thinking about with Lot's wife? What, what do we need to think about? What, do you know that, that Jesus uh, gives us a warning in the New Testament? Luke's gospel. As, it's the most succinct warning. I think it is uh, Luke seventeen thirty-two. You don't have to turn it up just now. 
his warning so short. He just says, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. You see it? It is a warning from Jesus that there are those, even in our church, even in our families, there are those who appear to make wonderful strides out of sin, but who are still unbelieving. That there are uh, people who appear to be running alongside the righteous, you know. People who, who seem to be believers, seem to be flourishing as Christians. They appear like that, but they are not. Now, we have to be, as a congregation, aware that there are people like that. But I think more than that, we should also be conscious that we, ourselves, need to be pressing on toward the goal and not, as Lot's wife, be looking back, pining for sin. So Lot's sons-in-law wife, okay, this is our final sub-point, okay, because surely, if we're going to move on, surely we have to consider Lot himself, don't we? Lot's sons-in-law, Lot's wife, Lot himself, and to do that, we've got to sort of rewind a wee bit in the, in the chapter. We've got to go back to just before the fire comes out of heaven. And we have to go back in your Bibles to round about verse 15. Let's think about Lot himself just as we close. Lot himself. Okay. Picture it. Lot, at this point, he's still in his house. And he has just been rejected. He's gone to his sons-in-law, and he's just been rejected and rebuffed by them. And so what the angels do is they say, come on, son. <laughs> you know, basically, get a move on. Hurry up. The judgment's coming. Let us get out of the city. And what I want you to see in verse 16 is how Lot responds to this. The angels are saying, the judgment is coming. What does Lot do? In verse 16, do you see it? He hesitates. Isn't that something? I mean, given all of what's going on, here's a guy who pauses and he sort of delays and he hesitates. Now, why? Why does he pause? Why, did, why, why delay? Well, we're not actually told. It could be, I suppose, he's, he's just gone to his sons-in-law and said, you know, the judgment's coming, and they laugh at him. So it could be that, that Lot himself is beginning to doubt that this is, this is real. Could be that, couldn't it? Or maybe, you know, it's fear. Maybe he hesitates because he's just frozen at the thought of Almighty God burning up this city. Could be either of these things. But here's the thing, regardless of what it is, what I want us to... to, to to relish really is how the angels act. Do you see what they do? Because it's just amazing. Verse 16 again, the men grasp his hand and they take the hands of his wife and the daughters and they lead him out of the city. Isn't that, <laughs> you don't think that's lovely? Do you not? 
As we read there, the Lord was merciful to Lot. But he hesitates. Yeah, okay, he pauses. But quite literally, the Lord puts him out of the place of judgment. And here's the thing. Friends, what we have to see tonight is that if you're a believer, that is what God has done for you if you are in Christ. He's done that, and he's done it for you. That Our salvation and um, our rescue from sin, that it is entirely a work of God, and that spiritually speaking, what has happened in our salvation is that Christ has taken us by the hand, and Christ has, has led us, kicking and screaming, if you like, And he has taken us out from underneath the wrath of God. And that is marvelous. And it is a reason to praise God tonight. But what I dearly hope you see if you are not a Christian this evening. Is that God can do that for you now. God can do that for you this evening. That even, you know, as I'm speaking here, that Jesus can lead you out. Jesus can deal with your hesitancy. And he can deal with the, the doubt that you might face. And he can deal with the, the fear. He can deal with it all. If you will only repent of your sin. And if you will only Put your hand in his. Will you do that? And the portion of scripture ends with whom? Abraham. And it ends with him. And he's standing and he's looking down over Sodom and he sees all the destruction, that smoldering destruction because of God's wrath. And surely he thanks God at that point. He praises God for leading his nephew and leading him to safety. So here's the thing. Surely tonight, having this morning looked over the the destruction of God's wrath on Christ on the cross. Surely we are rejoicing and thankful for what has been done for us. That we've been led out. That we've been taken by the hand. That we have been redeemed. And all because of the love and all because of the tender mercy of God. Let's pray.